In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, how to create a phishing email, part two. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be continuing our exploration of how to create a phishing email with Chris Madalena, Senior Security Consultant. So this is wrapping up part two, where we kind of get into some of the more technical things that he does to, to set up a fish, uh, some really insightful stuff. So feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S, and this will actually be forward slash 152. So you've foisted me again and trying to keep you to one episode. Um, so <laughs> it, it is a challenge. Like this is a challenge is, is can I keep Chris to like a one episode? And I tried it and I was getting close. And then I looked down at the time. I was like, nope, this is going to be another two part. <laughs> um, you and Johnny, man, just. Well, you're the one that didn't come up with any show notes. I, I have them actually. I'm, I'm staring at them right now. Uh, first question <laughs> is how to create a phishing email 30 minutes later. Um, how do you create a phishing email? So let's uh, uh, let's actually dive into the actual technical aspects. Yeah. Okay. Like 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 how are you doing it? Because and I put this out on Twitter and I got uh, social engineering kit and then I believe it was Fish Me was the other one that I sure. got. Uh, so so here's 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 my my preferred method. So if. Um, and here's sort of my, my PSA too, because I, I keep running into to organizations that have no idea, mm-hmm. um, and I don't blame them either because it's right. all nonsense and it's so totally broken that no one understands email security, and it's pretty much impossible. Like if you want to have any sort of marketing team or you want to use services that <laughs> will send you emails or send you emails using like your own mailing lists or email aliases, it's it's all broken. It you, no one can do anything about it. Is kind of the takeaway. But it's good to be aware that people can spoof your emails. And there's ways to stop it. Uh, but like I said, it's often really impossible to do 100% because there's so much like your marketing team has whitelisted this company that can also be used by people that are trying to fish you. So then they just use that company to send you the emails. And so the spoofing works. And I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But you know, if you don't have uh, like a strong SPF record, which is, you know, if you go check your organization's SPF record right now, and if you see that uh, the text record for SPF either doesn't exist, I mean, that's a problem right there. Uh, but if if you see that it ends with a question mark all or tilde all, mm. that's a, you know, that, that uh, question mark means it's pretty much disabled. Uh, the tilde means that it's going to do a soft fail. So if you were to send like a test email and then analyze the SPF results, you would see that it'd be logged as a failure, but then allowed because it's a soft fail. Where the idea being that, you know, maybe some sort of summary email is later sent to like a mail admin saying like, here's the emails that you received that, you know, that, you know, failed your, uh, your SPF checks. Uh, but they still go through. And uh, it's only if you have the, the dash all that it actually is a, is a hard fail. Uh, and then even then that doesn't do anything if you don't have DMARC set up. So if you don't have a DMARC record for, you know, like underscore DMARC dot your, com- you know, your company's domain dot com, that's another thing. And so I find a lot of companies that like don't have DMARC set up at all or they they have a soft fail set up for SPF. And I'll just do a quick test to see if I can spoof their emails. And often I can. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, I can just spoof emails from anyone in the company or make up you know, a new employee and send it as them. 
uh, and you know email that out uh, often like through a, a organization like SendGrid. Um, which even then, if you do have SPF and DMARC set up, this is where it gets really messed up, is that oftentimes, you know, SendGrid is meant for more for marketing emails and things like that. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of companies use SendGrid to send emails. So if you have, uh, you know, a marketing department, PR department, yeah. they might be using SendGrid to, to, to spoof, to, they're spoofing their email through SendGrid <laughs> to send it out to like their mailing right, list and stuff right, like yeah. that. So then I spoof your email through SendGrid and it's because you have SendGrid whitelisted. And, you know, I mean, so you can't get around it. Um, so it's, I, I feel really important that people are aware. <laughs> that yeah, no, that's a good thing it, to call you out. Know, that just because you're seeing, oh, it came from Tim at, you know, timdeblock.com doesn't mean it came from Tim. <laughs> yeah. Or the, or, <laughs> wish it did, but that's just not how email was set up. Right. I mean, it was assumed that everyone would be honest and you weren't, wouldn't pretend to be someone else. And now we, you know, that's impossible now that email is a worldwide thing. Um, so there's that. Uh, so spoofing is, is a possibility, mm-hmm. but let's just say I can't spoof or I don't want to for some reason. Uh, so I'll set up a domain, usually a domain that um, is either matching sort of my pretext I've come up with uh, or um, or a domain like maybe similar to uh, to like the target organization if I want to kind of make it look like it's an internal email. So I set that up and I'll set up a server that, uh, you know, has a has an SMTP relay set up that you know only I can only I can use. Don't want that to be open to the internet or anything. So there's lots of security things that I'm not going to get bother getting into because uh, obviously you want to harden the box as much as possible. But you know, so set up SMTP, uh, and then you want to set up a DKIM record, DMARC, SPF, make everything totally legit, uh, so that if you then send a test email from your new you know bogus domain. And whatever account you you set up for it to like dkimvalidator.com, it's going to come back with like a low spam assassin score and the SPF and dkim will check out. And there's a DMARC record and everything looks kosher. Uh, then you're ready to send those emails. And I mean, those should get through like even Google Postmaster, which is often notoriously really stringent on looking at email headers and making sure everything checks out. Um and so once I have all that set up, I'll set up GoFish on that same server. No, um, yeah, GoFish. Okay, that's what it was. I said yeah, Fish yeah, Me earlier. I think Fish Me is like an actual paid product. But yeah, GoFish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So GoFish is, uh, I like it even if I'm just doing, um, I mean, it depends on the sort of fishing that I'm doing. But oftentimes GoFish, because I want to get the statistics too. So sometimes, I mean, if it's a large enough campaign that I'm doing, um, I mean, it just does such an awesome job of getting statistics. Uh, I wrote a tool that kind of goes along with it. Uh, called Go Report that um, now actually some of the features of Go Report is, are being built into GoFish, which is awesome to see like matching up of uh, of user agents with operating systems and their versions and the browsers. And so just you get this awesome collection of data that's all parsed out for you and put in a nice timeline so you can see who clicked on your link uh, and then what did they do with it? Did they actually then enter credentials? Uh, and what's cool about like a security awareness perspective is if you're not trying to fish them, like you're not going to actually then go use those creds. You might or just for whatever reason, you don't want the liability of ever having their password, whether it's they entered in a real one or not. Uh, you can tell go uh, go fish to not collect the credentials. So as long as you name like your landing pages password field as, you know, like type password, uh, it throws that away. It'll log that something was submitted, but it's never actually kept. So you'll get the username and maybe anything else you might have asked for, any other 
parts of the form you had, whatever your landing page was, but it'll throw away the password, which I think is really cool. Uh, Cause that way you don't have to worry about ever having the liability of knowing anyone's password or anything like that. Um, and it's just a really nice interface. It, it will also, um, uh, and you can just tell it to use that local SMTP server and the domain you set up and you can give it a CSV file of uh, your targets with uh, everything up to like first and last name, their email, of course, a uh, job title. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think those are the four fields. And what's cool about that is that then, uh, much like some of the other products out there, uh, like Phishing Frenzy and, and probably others do this as well, is uh, when you create your email templates, you can personalize them. So rather than... Uh, for example, that you know that spam message that was probably sent out to thousands of people that just said, "Dear beneficiary," uh, you can have Go Fish. Uh, you could set that up to be like, "Dear curly brace, curly brace, first dot name, closing curly braces," and then it knows when it's sending the email, it replaces those keywords uh, that are inside the curly braces, as well as replacing the curly braces too. Uh, it, it actually puts in that individual's first name or their last name. So you could say like, "Dear." Mr. You know, curly braces dot you know last dot name, and when I send you the email, it'll actually say dear Mr. DeBlock. Um, and you can do the same thing with email. So if you want to set up the email so that it seems like you're saying like your email address such and such was picked for this you know this prize, you can enter in the email address, uh, job title. So if you want to say you know reference the job title for some reason, you know whatever, uh, you know it, it, that can often help to personalize it so it looks like, oh, this isn't just some computer trying to fish me or some blanket phishing email. This was sent to me. Uh, and make it, you know, just a bit more personal, a bit more uh, likable and, you know, increases your chances perhaps of them clicking your link or believing whatever pretext you're trying to feed them. And uh, while making it easy for you, they didn't have to write a different email for every individual mm-hmm. and send it, you know, and send it. Uh I mean, you can also do the URL, and then also it'll do the URL too. So uh, the cool thing about that is that if you do have, say, a template from two years ago set up in GoFish, uh, you can drop that template in to GoFish, and it'll have, like, you know, if you had a link in there, the link goes in as curlybraces.url, I think, and uh, it, it places your, UR, your URL in there. So you can you can reuse templates even, and then it'll drop in like that recipient's first name, the right URL for that phishing campaign, and so on. Um, it's just a, it's a really nice tool. I love it for the API. Like you'd never have to log into the the GUI interface if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can set it all via the API. That's how Go Report works. It connects over the REST API. Um, I mean, and so you can do things like you can set up a suite of Go Fish servers. Like for example, for you, if you want to, you know, fish the organization and occasionally want to rerun those assessments um, over a period of weeks or months or just do it quarterly, you don't have to tear that server down. Um, or if you did, you could say use the API with a script to grab all your templates and all the stats and everything off, and then later uh, you deploy Go Fish, reconnect to that API, and then you can push all that stuff back onto the server as sort of a backup and syncing between servers and, and things like that. It's, it's really, really nice. Um, and it's just yeah, it's it's a cinch to deploy. Uh, I mean, at, at its building it from source is really easy with um you know with the Go language. Uh, you know, Jordan Wright, the developer of it, has made it super just dead simple to deploy. But then he also releases uh 
just go binaries. So literally just run the binary and you're ready to go. That's cool. uh, so really simple to deploy. Um, that's a really nice tool to have. And, uh, and yeah, I mean that, that right there, uh, gets you the ability to send mail. Uh, you'll look legitimate and then go fish is that extra layer to then manage the campaigns and see how things are going at a glance. Uh, and then kind of touching back on, on your, um, comment that you might want to stagger the emails. You can do that. Um, you know, GoFish helps you do that. You can set it up so that um, you want to send emails, uh, you know, at a certain time so you can schedule out campaigns, um, you know, so you don't necessarily have to be sitting at the computer, say, at 1 o'clock in the morning if you want to send an email to party organization that's on the other side of the world mm-hmm. or something like that. You can schedule it out. Um, uh, yeah, and what else is far? Oh, yeah, then uh, so, so that gets you the server. Uh, you're kind of set up, and and basically the the same the same idea applies if if you want to use Fishing Frenzy, uh, or or any of the others out there. Kingfisher, there's it feels like there's a million others. Uh, so you can kind of pick your preference. Yeah, I looked on GitHub, and there's a there's a ton of projects. Out yeah, there's there. a lot of fishing frameworks. Go GoFish go seems to be the one that's you know open source, easy to use. It, it looked like it had good documentation and instructions on getting yeah. started, which is like most of, like eighty percent of the battle right there. And I, I'm constantly um, impressed with Jordan's responsiveness. Um, you know, I, I, I'll mention that um, uh, GoFish is a kind of kind of a product of Duo Labs. You know, out of Duo. Um, I don't know how Jordan has a job that's not just answering things on GitHub about GoFish. <laughs> I assume that's <laughs> just what Duo is. pays him to do now, right? Uh, even though he's also out there writing like papers on fishing and and other things. I, I don't know. I don't know how he's doing it because every time I look at GoFish, there's a hundred new issues and most of them are, you know, Jordan very nicely and helpfully, help, you know, helping the, the person who's reporting the issue fix it because it's user error. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, and I, I've reached out to him on Twitter and, uh, you know, over DMS and stuff before I'm like, Hey, look, I'm just noticing this weird thing. And I mean, within like 20 minutes, I have a message back from help, you know, with ideas on how it might've gone wrong. You know, we've, we found a couple of bugs that way. And he's like, fix them really quickly. Uh, you know, he has a Python library that I, you know, I wrote like a couple issues for, and I think he fixed it within, within 24 hours and had like a new version up. I mean, he's, he's super responsive, which is the other thing I really appreciated, uh, when I started using GoFish. So, so, uh, so I'm some gonna... of the others are, they're great products, but you run into little gotchas yep. and so hard to figure out how, how do I fix this in my environment or what, what I do, you know, you're just Googling and, and then you, maybe you email them and, you know, they, they'll get back to you, but okay, they got other things going on. Those various developers, they might, you never know also, like, are they on vacation? Yeah, are they, <laughs> have they kind of abandoned, may not abandon the project, but it's, you know, where is it in their, uh, you know, what kind of priority is it? Right. And often it's it's very low, whereas GoFish is very actively developed and, and cared for. Well, it sounds like I need to do an episode on GoFish, so no more talking about GoFish, because you're going to blow all Jared's talking points. Um, Jordan. Yeah, no. By all means, get a hold get a hold of Jordan and and did uh, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. and uh, yeah, you you should have him on to talk about Go Fish. That Absolutely. Would, if he's responsive too, it's like yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you, and I'll kind of kind of kind of give a little teaser here. Um, I am actually having, although I'm having someone from uh, Portswigger on to talk about how to create a uh, burp extension. Um, oh, nice. Which is, I, I realized that probably, like, it, it was really awesome that they, like, respond. That's that's one of the things I love about this community is that so many people are willing to come on and talk about this kind of stuff, which it's, is which is so awesome. It's just a matter of, like, shooting out an email. But I realized, like, 
I was like, wait a minute. I've, I'm asking him to come on and talk about burp extensions. I haven't had an episode on what is burp. I've had one on Zap, <laughs> not burp yet. Um, but so we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that when that time comes. But yes, that's coming down the road. Um, yeah, one it's, last... a, it's good to hear that Portsburger is still around because I, I did open burp the other day and it didn't have an update for me. And what? I thought something was wrong. <laughs> oh, no. No, not that. Um, there's a whole thing around burp and how to use it, which I might have you on for that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay. G- just thinking about, like, we have some juniors, and it's like, uh, yeah, you need to give, like, in fact, our senior pen yesterday was like, yeah, I give burp, like, 32 gigs of RAM or 32 oh, gigs God, of yeah, memory. It's, it is definitely. It's a hog. Uh, I've, right? I, I've, I've left burp open over the weekend before and come back and my MacBook's just like, it sounds like a jet engine. <laughs> and I try to use it. And I'm like, what is, what has happened to my MacBook? And I realize, like, oh no, burp's open. And it's, yeah, it's like, I, I look at system monitor. And it's like, yeah, Java's definitely using all of your RAM right now. And, yeah. and also 90% of the CPU. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. Like, Java. What happened? Yeah. All right, so one last question because we are running out of time here. I don't want this to be a three-parter. Um, do you? So do you ever build from scratch or are you using kind of like GoFish and kind of? Yeah, no, yes. Yeah, so, so the yeah, the next part of that would be then how do you make the actual landing pages? Um, obviously, you can get as crazy as you want. Um, my go-to though is a a tool that I made a long time ago at this point, like back in 2015, called Cooper. Uh, that will take either the um, the original text of an email. So, like, say you have an email you receive, whether it's from like an Amazon order you placed, or uh, you you contact like a marketing person at the company you're trying, you know, you're trying to fish and to get like their email signature or whatever. Uh, you can give Cooper the the original text. You know, you go like view original or view source of the email, save it off. You give that to Cooper, and it'll spit out the HTML for you. Um, then you can go in and easily edit it because sometimes they're like base 64 encoded or, um, and you know, things like that. So it'll try to clean it up for you, give you HTML. You can edit to use as a jumping off point. Um, and it'll also, uh, try to copy web pages. Um, like we mentioned earlier with like some of the Gmail and Outlook logins and things like that, it gets a little bit hinky because some of those are so heavily stylized that you need a lot of like style sheets and things like that for them to actually work JavaScript or whatever. Uh, but, uh, that's usually my starting off point. If there's a web page that I want to copy, I use Cooper, um, cause it does a couple other things that automates some of the cleanup for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that'll get me my, my email and my landing page. And then from there, I know I'm going to need to edit it anyways to customize it for, for my target. Um, but yeah, I, I clean them up and usually, you know, trying, trying to keep it simple is best. Uh, otherwise you could spend an entire week trying to, tweak your phishing email and things like that. But um, you kind of have to remember that once you have one that is pretty good, uh, all the tweaking in the world probably won't change the results too much. Because mm-hmm. uh, much like, I mean, at this point, you never even know something. You know, you, you hear a lot of articles that'll say like, hey, don't go looking for uh, typos to see if it's a fish because that doesn't a typo mean that a real person wrote it? And that probably means it's a real thing. You should look for the emails that don't. I, I've actually had people ask me if if I recommend uh, distrusting emails that lack typos because they feel that <laughs> like a machine I, but it's like no a machine didn't write it it's but it's, it's also so, autocorrect is so prevalent nowadays that right, like exactly, yeah yeah so like I, I know people who will fuss over like I'm gonna add a typo here and it's like but I mean that's cool you're going to that detail on your phishing email but does it really like, there's no science that's I guess that that's really the the thing that I'm trying yeah. to say there's no science there's no data so, backing it up so, yeah so if you have a good pretext 
uh, you know, put together a good email. You always want to make sure it has the, um, I'd be remiss not to mention, you need to have have the call to action. You need to try to make it sound urgent if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they don't just forget about your email um, and kind of give them that reason. So if you say like, hey, we need to click on this link um, to reset your, you know, check your Outlook connection mm-hmm. and make sure you can still, you know, we, uh, we pushed out an update and you need to click on this link to go to Outlook, you know, web access and make sure you can still access it, you know, enter in your creds and, and log in and check it out. That's great. And you might get a bunch of people that have marked that as a to-do item and never do it. But if you tell them, hey, we're pushing out an update this weekend, you need to do this before Friday morning because if you don't and there's a problem, guess what? You won't have any like VPN or Outlook access over the weekend. And we don't, you know, you make it sound like, hey, if you're the type of person that might need to check your email over the weekend, um, you should really do this now. Uh, you know, something like that to give them a reason um, to to take that action sooner rather than later uh, is is going to be in your interest. Um, it'll make sure they don't forget about it, and also presumably you're trying to get access to their creds or whatever within a week or so, not you know two weeks down the road. Right. That's always wanting to have that you know that urgency and call to action. But you know, I guess the I think the art of the phishing email is probably you know getting that pretext and then knowing when to stop with the urgency. Right. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean add a bunch of exclamation points and demand they do it right now. That's just weird. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you need yeah. to come up with like that nice hook that makes something like, oh, oh geez, okay, I probably should do that right now. Yeah. Just before I forget. Or just have accounting, you know, send out an email. Yeah, exactly. After, or, after. Or you know. <laughs> so here's what you do. Here's okay. So this is the final point. What you do is you craft a expense report email and then you call accounting and go, oh my gosh, you need to send out this email right now. <laughs> That's that's yep. what we have to do at the end of the month. That that and, and I think that's an important lesson right there, right? Is timing of all these emails. Yes. It's like end yeah, of the yeah, month. Definitely. There's certain things going on. Beginning of the month, there's certain things going on. Some of this stuff can probably be uncovered uh, via like just OSINT things like that. So yeah, I mean the, the the funny thing is that you know I kind of made fun of the you know like the really basic idea of like an, an Amazon email or mm-hmm. a UPS or FedEx email coming to someone's work account, and that that should be weird. Um, I mean, if, if I send those now, if I send you a UPS email now, um, you know, but you'd probably be like, what the hell is this? Whatever. I didn't order anything. If, if I send that to a bunch of people in your organization on December 12th, the number of P and I actually have seen the data here where I've sent that, uh, you know, I, I see a huge uptick in the interest in clicking those links of like, Hey, sorry, we couldn't deliver your package today. Um, if you'd like to, uh, you know, reschedule, um, you know, like you're going to have to pick it up at the UPS facility or you can reschedule pickup by clicking this link and logging into like UPS, you know, what the, my UPS or whatever. Uh, there's suddenly a huge uptick in the effectiveness of that around mm-hmm. the holidays because everyone's ordering something from Amazon right. or some other site. And they're just so used to probably at that point of getting those emails of like, hey, here's your order confirmation. Here's your shipping information. They don't even – they just go on autopilot. They don't even think about the fact that they're at work right now or they're on that laptop or it was went to, sent to that account on their phone, <laughs> not not you know not their personal account. Right. Um, so, yeah, timing is huge. Beginning of the year, benefits, you know, anything related to yeah. benefits. Um, Hey, we, I mean, even if it's like early February, sending out an email, this is like, oops, sorry, everyone, something goofed up with our, <laughs> oh, with our no. benefits. Can you just log in real quick and just confirm you're still enrolled? Like, <laughs> you're dirty. I mean, you're just oh yeah, I mean, it's, they, they, we definitely, uh, I always get 
someone involved uh, oh, you know, it's, it's even... with an actual organization to ask like, hey, is HR going to get really pissed about this? Because <laughs> that is where you, you, you definitely, right. if you're doing that in organization, either internally or externally, you want to make sure you're not going to cause any any issues because of course the the moment you do that and then maybe it gets out that it was phishing and then a week later hr really does have a problem with benefits and needs you to log in there everyone's going to go uh-huh and roll their eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't want a, a ticked off yeah, hr don't don't Why, you know, HR. No doing this right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i want to yeah i think that's an advantage too for for people that are on blue team sides because you know the inner working so you can get yeah. really dirty with some of this stuff but um awesome this was another great two-parter chris uh, so thank you for joining me to discuss how to create a phishing email you're welcome thanks for having me again